Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Let's Talk Assassin's Creed, your number one podcast for all things Assassin's Creed. Today's episode, we're looking at our personal favourite DLCs from the series. But we're not alone. I am joined by the host of the Memory Corridor podcast on YouTube, Gustav, which is an awesome dude. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, you had me first, so I've got to stalk Mm. you and bring you back. It's my pleasure returning. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm ready to discuss something. So uh, let's just let's just go. <laughs> You're as eager as me. So <laughs> DLCs in general in games, DLCs are mixed responses. Some people like them, some don't. But I think Assassin's Creed has some of the best DLCs. And the first one I want to mention would be Assassin's Creed Free with George Washington. Turnip King Washington, yeah. That DLC has to be one of the coolest I've ever played in gaming history. Yeah, I, um, I'll, I'll agree. I actually only played it this year uh, with you know Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, but there were some pretty cool ideas, like the whole... I was really into the whole alternate reality thing and, you know, Connor gaining, like, animal powers and stuff. That was a pretty cool concept. Um the whole like sci like sci-fi twist since it's an alternate reality like nothing is really canon and everything is possible and what um i did a lot of research some of the abilities connor got was akin to his old um beliefs in his oh, old yeah, tribe like native, so it kept native it of american culture so it kept it historically grounded through connor's background but still had that freedom to show what if something went wrong with a piece of Eden and our timeline was different. Absolutely. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, and then like the whole thing was George Washington saw this and then he knew there was never going to be like a, a sole King of the United States. Like some people today in the United States don't really understand that, but uh, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Those in power today. I mean, <laughs> have you, I think one thing that stood out to me the most is it was a free parter. It wasn't just you got the whole DLC, you got three parts, uh, part one, two, and three, which yeah. explored it in great detail. And Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like we had, what was it, like, first one took place on the frontier, then it was Boston, and then it was on to New York with George Washington's pyramid built in, like, the middle of the city. <laughs> that would have been creepy to see in real life, just a giant pyramid. Yeah, in what Washington or something. <laughs> but um, but yeah, as you said, like I liked the story and everything. It was just the other than that, the DLC was pretty thin. Like there wasn't really much to do other than mess around with your bear powers and like explore the map, which you had already explored in the main game. Like there wasn't really any like remarkable side missions or anything. See, I get that, but. When you're walking through Boston and you realize you can stab people as an assassin or attack them as a weird bear, I kind of think attacking them as a weird bear is a bit more entertaining. There's some ghostly bear beating everybody (laughs) up. Sure. Um, But yeah, overall, uh, Turning to Washington, introduce cool things. And um, yeah, I would definitely um, like to, uh, I talked about that on uh, my own podcast uh, a few years ago now, like, the whole like alternate reality, like kind of sci-fi element, and like 
I really hope they bring that back somehow in um in like future future installments. It'd be kind of cool if they did, but it will be kind of hard to see how they could balance it in a sense. Yeah, perhaps. Um, perhaps. Perhaps. We never know with Assassin's Creed. That's the whole... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you never know where it's going. Yeah. So I think the next era we could look at is... I know it's a mixed one um, for some people, but I really think... The Dead Kings DLC from Unity was actually really good. It was story-wise, it was short, but I liked the things introduced. And it was at the head of Saint Denis, like that magical, creepy thing. And the whole map, like it was the town of Franciade, I think it was. It had a very certain, like medieval, post-medieval, gloomy, dark vibe to it. And I actually uh, really liked that. Like you know, the abandoned churches and like the underground tunnels, and it, it was pretty cool. I liked as well that how um, it flowed really nicely from the main game, which sure. some DLCs don't. Sure, like it was literally just do. in the main game, travel to Franciat, and, you know, really smoothly. And I think it gave that illusion that it wasn't just a DLC, but an epilogue to the campaign. Yeah, and it took I place, think, like, I think late 1790s, like, after Arno had been, like, to, like, Egypt or something, I think. Uh, like, and he had been, like, drinking a bit to, you know, uh, um, kind of cure himself over Elise's death and whatnot, from what I know. Like, he had a few down years after the ending of Unity. And then this one, Dead Kings, is supposed to, yeah, I think take place in like late 1790s or something. Which is kind of good because I know there was that whole controversy with the bugs and oh, yeah. it was then released as a free DLC. Oh, yeah, but... that's it. Yeah, yeah, they released it free as like excuse for horrible launch. But I think being a free DLC, I know it's going to be pay, but... Being a free DLC that everyone can access, I think that's what kind of sells it a bit it's more. Because yeah. to me, you play it, you finish the campaign, and then you got this cool. free epilogue of sorts cool. to see where to go next. Yeah. Not to take the helm or anything, but actually, just um, just before we move on from Unity, um, I quickly wanted to maybe talk about the uh, the ones uh, during the Ezio era, if you remember those. There was the uh, Da Vinci disappearance for Brotherhood. If you, do you remember that one? I'm going to sound like a proper um, non-true fan, and I apologize, but when Ezio originally came out, I didn't have access to internet or to knowledge, and it wasn't until two years ago I knew that Ezio Games had DLC. Oh, I didn't play it until last year uh, with the Ezio collection, so... No I'm still waiting to try and get the Ezio collection. And now for Assassin's Creed it, 2, there was the uh, Battle of Forley and the uh, Bonfire of the Vanities, like two additional sequences that take place between like when Ezio officially becomes Assassin and the his mission to Rome at the end of AC2. Um, perhaps you've seen the clip with like this really epic speech in uh, he holds in uh, Florence. I have seen that. Yeah, it's one of the most inspirational of quotes. Oh, in like, I'm now going to play it. 1498. Um, and also like a whole nother map of uh, Florence is unlocked, which is pretty cool. Like some pretty iconic landmarks and stuff. Uh, like the old Opera House, for example, which is on like the uh, 
uh, I think it's uh, Paltrano Island. I can't remember. Something like that. Like, um, but yeah, you should check those out. And the Da Vinci Disappearance like kind of focuses on Roman mythology a little bit, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, it's like I think ten additional missions. It's it's pretty fun. You should you should uh, definitely play that when you uh, when you get the chance. Oh, I will do. Um, so since you've tried them, you could tell us a bit about some of the things that stuck out and highlighted them. Yeah, I think it's overall, you know, that's what made the Ezio games fun, those free run missions, you know, like in temples and stuff. That kind of returns a little bit and familiar faces return. Do you remember Lucrezia Borgia? Uh, yeah. There's also a mission with her, um, Ezio using his uh, charm to like, you know, kind of fool her, uh, you know, get some information out of her. Nothing explicit, don't worry. Um, <laughs> almost. Just Ezio being the beautiful man he is. <laughs> Um, and then something with like stolen Da Vinci paintings and uh, yeah, it's 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 nothing like too much and it's kind of set between what is it fifteen oh three sequence eight of Brotherhood and the end you know where Ezio tracks down um, uh, Cesare Borgia because there was in those years he did return to Rome once um, and that is like uh, this is what he was up to. Seems like something I should yeah. definitely check out when it's on sale because yeah. but I really enjoyed the, the, the Ezio collection. You know, the uh, for the current gen consoles, all DLC is like already comes with that automatically. Um, hmm. Also for AC two and uh, Revelations, there is also a Revelations one uh, that I still haven't played. It's kind of like this kind of I think first person uh, arcade um, stuff or not arcade. I don't know what to call it. It's kind of like something that focuses on Subject 16, I think it is. I might have to look yeah, into that. I haven't, pretty cool. I haven't played that yet, but yeah, the uh, two additional sequences for AC2 and um, and um, and yeah, the Da Vinci Disappearance. Those are those are pretty solid. I'll have to look into yeah. that. Definitely. Um, you should definitely do that. I never did. I never did else I was going to look at, but I've been very iffy on it because it was released as a standalone Freedom Cry. Oh, Freedom Cry, yeah. I uh, I played that about two years ago, and um, I'm going to say it like this. A lot of people say it's really great, but I don't see what all the fuss is about. Like, yeah, sure, it was cool to play as Adewale for a little bit and, you know, find the wreckage of the Jackdaw, uh, you know, his old ship, Edward's old ship. But other than that, like, it was just kind of thin in a way. Um, in a way. Like, sure, there were some fun missions, I... fun story missions. with like nine additional memories, like um, an entire uh, sequence. And then there were some cool sites to explore, of course, uh, a few more sites. Um, and yeah, it focuses a bit on, you know, like the brutality of slavery, which I guess is cool as well. Or not cool, but it's, a, it's an important subject. Um, but other than that, like... I wasn't too impressed with Freedom Cry, which is weird considering like Black Flag, the main game. I absolutely adore that, and always will. I think for me, I really enjoyed Freedom Cry for the aspect of instead of giving us a DLC where we copy and follow more Edward, we got to see Adawai rise, yeah, and it was which set, I really loved. And it was said like um, over ten years after the end of Black Flag. Like I think Edward might be dead by the time it takes place. Actually, 
or he's very close to being killed in like 1735 i believe it was yeah, he, he so, didn't become very old edward unfortunately so trying to drag Edward into DLC wouldn't have worked, but to see someone that was a strong supporting character, as I always call him, to then get some big limelight and a good little story, I thought it was kind of unique. Sometimes they don't take supporting characters and give them a, a DLC, but this time they did, and it worked Absolutely. really well in my eyes. Uh, yeah, it was it was cool, but um, yeah, it, it was an okay DLC, and the blunderbuss, you know, the big gun was pretty fun as well. Um, I think the next one because we're going to save our favourites because I know what our favourites are to the end so I think the next one we could look at that I love the concept and I love the gameplay but other than that I wasn't so keen and that's the Jack the Ripper DLC that's weird because that's my favourite Jack the Ripper is my favourite is it? it's absolutely I, look I remember when I started that up you know you know the intro mission it's dark it's creepy as hell. You're playing as Jack the Ripper chasing Jacob and that scene like they're fighting in Jacob's apartment and you know like Jack on top on top of Jacob saying like I am the solution and like and then it just cuts to black. Like I was that was pretty damn and I'm a pretty big fan of like thrillers like that as well so that was like perfectly crafted suspense. I and I I just in general like I love the um like the whole darker tone of it, and you know the fact that it was only like, uh, it was only like one third of the entire map, London map that you could like be at, but also throughout the game, some of the other locations you go to, like this old insane asylum and this abandoned hospital, like at an island, like uh, south of London or something, like I just love the like dark tone and like the gloominess and you know the the whole thriller vibe of it. I I love that DLC, Jack the Ripper. I played a bit of it and I, I loved it. I do like the I do like the story and its concept. I don't know, I think um I played too much syndicates. I think I may have just been burnt out by the time I got around to playing it, but that's cool. I mean I it was only released like about two months after the release of the initial game. I I don't know, I thought it was a pretty cool like end of the year mini game to get Jack the Ripper. I, I think to go down that route was actually the most amazing idea for Syndicate because of the time frame. There's a lot they could have done, but to go around the Jack the Ripper idea, I think, was fantastic. Absolutely, I because it was loved, and it was pretty cool also to you know return to like a character um, like that long time after the main game because usually it's like only a bit like during the main game or a, like a year after the main game if it's the same character. But, you know, here, this was set, like, 20 years after the main game. Um, so, you know, Evie and Jacob, you know, they're, like, in their early 40s. Still agile as hell, for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was just pretty cool. And, like, seeing Evie's, like, you know, she married uh, Henry and, you know, went to India. So it was cool to, like, kind of see her, like, you know, Indian fighting techniques and, like, you know, um, uh, bomb craftsmanship and stuff. So, or craft ship, and then I don't, I don't know, whatever. It, it was pretty <laughs> cool to see. Um, I really like that DLC. I think, yeah, that would be my favorite AC, AC one, AC DLC. Uh, well, I think the last DLC to talk about that I would say is the best DLC 
in my eyes, has to be Curse of the Pharaohs. Curse of the Pharaohs. Uh, I'm actually uh, having that on pause right now as we're recording. Uh, just exploring the uh, the afterlife's a little bit. So um, I'll say it like this: Curse of the Pharaohs is. I liked, you know, that, and that's just in general. You know, I, I I have said to you before that I wasn't the biggest fan of, you know, Origins' structure story-wise. You know, the the quest, it just kind of became too loose. You can really, like, track it, untrack it whenever you want it. And I wasn't a big fan of that. So, you know, I couldn't help but fall off a little bit story-wise, but it was still pretty cool. I, I liked the, the idea and, um, you know, I really liked this whole, like, even though everything was an illusion, you know, the whole afterlife, that how I understood it, it, it was all an illusion. But let's, for the sake, just say it wasn't completely. I do like this idea of, like, you know, interdimensionality being introduced in the games. You know, the fact that, like, you know, the afterlives are, like, an alternate dimension, I guess is the best scientific way to explain it, if it was. I think, I think for me, I'm a really big fan of mythology and to see them not only create mini maps inside such a huge map, which isn't just a technical achievement. I think yeah. games that can make mini maps with a very small load screen. Uh, I'm on PS4 slim, so it's not really super duper hardware, but the load times for the afterlife are really smooth. They didn't take as long as fast traveling, which was unique but so much detail and care went into crafting each afterlife. Absolutely. Like there was... were, there's four different ones. There was the, uh, the desert one with all the statues. That was uh, the Hepset, and that was uh, Ramses' uh, uh, Ramses, uh, afterlife. Then there was Queen Nefertiti, and, um, which was like this, these open wheat fields. Then there was this one, if you remember, with like this sun in the middle of it. And... And then there's the Duat, of course, which is beyond beautiful, which is uh, Tutankhamun's. And I think that's the whole, when you look at the mythology, they've took that into heart. And that's what I love. Like the Duat is represented as best as possible in texture, in-game. The, um, the one you talk about with the field of reeds, that one's described as best it can from texture. And the Ramsey one just really highlights his war and everything yeah, that went this, on through his era. Huge, like, if you remember this huge area, which is just like dead corpses and everything, which is like all the corpses of one of the battles he went into. And I think that just, uh, when you went into them, they never felt the same. I, no, no. And I think that's the whole. Absolutely. And, um, but yeah, that's also this interdimensional thing, I guess, you know, that there are these four mini maps, like coexisting with, you know, the real world map. Um, and everything yeah i just i just thought it was pretty cool you know also because considering i'm a pretty big sci-fi time travel like different dimensions fan fan of those concepts so um yeah i couldn't help but uh i think it was pretty cool i think the only thing i really hated was when it first came out i was so eager to jump in and i do remember getting demolished by the undead pharaohs. Oh yeah, those some of those boss battles were a little bit annoying because you had to defeat like each pharaoh as a boss in their afterlife. That could get a bit hectic. Um, but other than that, it was yeah, it was a pretty cool deal DLC. If anything, just for like the 
photogenicness of like the different worlds, um, the different afterlifes. And yeah, the concept was pretty cool too. And, um, and the story was okay, but I think it's mainly just like the idea of it that took it home for me. And for me, I think it's just the whole mythology and story yeah. that I followed. Sure. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm not <laughs> this too big day... into Egyptian mythology actually, but you're right. I mean, if anything, I kind of like the more Roman mythology that we saw a little bit in um, in the Da Vinci disappearance. You know, the, the with you know the the four elements: earth, fire, wind, and water. That that kind of stuff. I'm definitely going to check that out because Roman mythology is really good mythology. Sure. It's, I think some of it is from Greek mythology. I think they just stole some. Yeah, of probably. Um, I, I'm not sure, but. Pretty, pretty great nonetheless so before we wrap up is there any dlcs that you found that you thought were just amazing Assassin's Creed, that we haven't talked think. about um we've had let's just go over them there was uh bon, the uh bonfire of the vanities da vinci disappearance then there was Tourney king washington uh freedom cry we talked about that dead kings jack the ripper we haven't covered it, but I guess we could cover the hidden ones real quick. You know, the first one for Origins. Not that I was a big fan of it, really, um, to be honest. But, yeah, if anything, like, it, it gave us, like, an extra map, like, an extra mini-map, like, Sinai, uh, which which was pretty cool. And it was pretty cool to see, like, uh, what's-her-name Amunet again. Um, yeah, you know, a few years after the main game. And like her new outfit and stuff, that was that was pretty cool, if anything. I think for me with the hidden ones, I tend to stay away from calling it DLC because uh, the, I love what, it what so. What do you call it? Continent DLC. Content DLC. I just can hear you. Yeah, I I tend to stay away from calling it like all the others because of how much I literally played from getting it to complain it to the DLC was a good six months straight one after the other because it flowed so nicely. I see it in my head as more of a true epilogue to the sure. game and not as a DLC. Sure. Um, and I don't know. I just, it, it was just story wise. It kind of bored me really. Like I, in the end, the moral of the story was why the assassin made up the rule to not take the lives of civilians because apparently someone in the brotherhood back then, like he, like he achieved his goal, but it was at the cost of many civilian lives from how I remember it. And yeah, it was just kind of poorly executed in a way. I think for me, it kind of struck a chord because playing from um, number one since day one and drill them ahead that we don't kill civilians to then get this game. And it's like, actually this is how the brotherhood's created to then play a DLC that, I feel shouldn't be a DLC, should have just been a true epilogue to seeing some why some of the tenants were made kind of just blew my mind quite a bit. Uh, I love the map and the story. I just stay away from calling DLC because yeah. I feel like it should never have been paid content. It should have just ended the game, maybe pre-credit scene, yeah, you I know, mean, roll the credits. I, and then... I remember I, I bought the season pass for for Origins. I thought, like, it's not a lot of money. I, I might as well get it. Um, you know, 
but I never really yeah there were some extra outfits in the main game and then the two DLCs which especially Curse of the Faros made it worth it but yeah other than that like I guess I guess you could be right like the Origins DLCs yeah they were they were okay like had some cool ideas if anything but that's what the name of the show was to look over the DLCs and see which ones we found to be the best in our eyes Absolutely. and what we enjoy the most about them. Absolutely. Um, and I actually just wonder, like, would you, um, for a future one, like, whenever that would possibly be, not that I think it's going to happen, but would you like to see the return? I may have asked you in the beginning, but that, like, alternate reality thing, like, really where it's more sci-fi-ish because, you know, they can do that since no- nothing is really taking place? <sighs> Um, mixed. I want, I really enjoy that style, but I want it to be more akin to what they did in Odyssey, where they managed to incorporate with the Isu law. It feels sci-fi as hell, but it works so well because it's a simulation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, I haven't played those, so um, I'm, I'm not too sure, like, how much of it I get, but I have heard a little bit, yeah, Atlantis and um, and those ones to me they're more the sort of style I want it like I really love the George Washington style alternate reality but I loved the fate of Atlantis because it was a simulation through Isu memories this is the Isu law which we don't get much of it wasn't executed that well which is why it's not on this list but it's the sort of style I could see them return to in the future maybe with Valhalla Absolutely. Like, I've, I've talked a little bit about um, that on some of my episodes, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if they do, like, for Valhalla, one that, like, you know, somehow makes Norse mythology a part of, you know, the first civilization. Because, you know, everything that we call mythology was real in the Assassin's Creed universe and is somehow related to the Isu. So. Which. And I mean, I, I've only I mean, dropped this. If... Do you remember the? Uh, I just played that recently again. The truth video from AC Two. You know those uh, fragments you could find all throughout the world. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know that was you know Adam and Eve escaping Eve uh, or Eden that's called. Um, and I read recently that they're possibly looking at Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, which you know within the biggest mountain in Africa. I just found out that myself recently. And that would somehow add to the fact that like life originated from Africa, which some theories suggest. Um, I don't know. I think that's just a cool Easter egg. And I don't know. In general, I just love that whole, um, not to go off track, but that whole glyph thing for me from like uh, the Ezio games. It was really dark and, but really cool. You know, uncovering all these old documents and which shows like everyone from Edison to Hitler to like... Uh, Henry Ford and people like those were Templars. Like, what? <laughs> well, one thing I've not shared with many people, but I'll happily show you on here as we're talking about DLCs. If we get DLCs for Valhalla, my theory is, but it could be main game, Ragnarok. Rag- yeah, yeah. We, um, Rag- yeah, yeah. I think we may have talked about that um, at some point, but you're right. Like, Somehow, the theory of Ra- the prophecy of Ragnarok is related to the uh, first Sith and stuff. Uh, yes, essentially, two ideas: either the upcoming battle that was hinted in 
well, it's not a battle, but Isu coming back, and we already have the Templars and yeah, Assassins yeah. at war. That screams Ragnarok. It could be, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Norse mythology, even though I'm Scandinavian myself, like, I've never really read too much of it, like, but I do know, like, you know, about the some of the different, nine different worlds, and, like, some of the different gods, and, and stuff like that, and some of the prophecies. So... It, it, yeah, I they uh, they could throw they they could probably make it work, like a Norse mythology thing. I mean, the biggest way they can make it work in my eyes is akin to what you said about Adam and Eve escaping. What if Ragnarok, with the War of the Gods, was the battle that led to the humans versus the Isu? Because with Adam and Eve being evolutions of wait, wait, um, wait, wait, not being able wait, to be wait, hold on, you're saying the Ragnarok prophecy led to the humans versus like that took place 75,000 years ago. Yes, but translated through history because stories through history are always oh, no one knows yeah. where they first originated. From. But actually now that you say not to go into too much Chris Nolan universe talk here, but it wouldn't surprise me actually if because we have been introduced to what is it? I think it's the Nexus, I think it's called. Like you know that like, yeah. kind of altered like that. It's a separate dimension really. You know, where like the, you know, where time is eternal in a way, like, you know, you can, you know, you can get a message through, you can enter it in like 2011, for example, but deliver a message to someone in 1511, which Ezio did, you know, he went into it there and delivered a message to Desmond in the present day, like 500 years later. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe which it's related is, some somehow. Which is why, in my eyes, as I always thought about it, I've not talked about it much, but um, one of the Viking settlers found the Isu Temple. They played a memory or something from the Nexus that talked about the Isu, who were one race, ha- had a war against another race, who were more were more um, evolved than the slaves, so they could look like a separate sense of gods. And because of all them fighting, they missed the Toga catastrophe, which ended the world. Yeah. Which, if a, a Viking who is a little bit illiterate, illiterate doesn't understand all these messages, would be a battle of the gods that destroyed the world. Yeah. Ragnarok. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I remember, Ragnarok was just the big battle of like, you know, the 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 Asgard and the um, and like the Jotunheim realm or whatever it is. The World Serpents yeah, yeah, and Loki. Yeah, yeah, those guys. I can't remember what they're called. P- pretty much just end of the world. It's how Thor died and everything. Yeah. But if you, if you imagine a Viking, not to sound rude, but a peasant essentially, not understanding these real um, implications of the ones who came before, seeing a memory of humans and Igsu fighting through technology, through battle. With, we don't know what they used for warfare back then. We know how pieces of Eden art, but imagine a DLC that explored the Isu War that would soon become the tale of Ragnarok. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm open for the idea. Um, I'm open for the idea. <laughs> I'm open for any ideas that don't make me sound crazy. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> but not, not uh, finally, I guess, just not that I, I want to throw too much in there, but now that I just mentioned like the, the whole Nexus thing, you know, I am a pretty big fan of like time travel y stuff. Like, 
I hope we we somehow return to that, like the Nexus or in the future. And that perhaps, like, because that is like, you see that in a lot of, like, time travel movies as well, that, like, something happened in the future, but that also happened in the past, and it had to happen in the past to happen in the future in the first place. So, you know, it's kind of this theory that time is really just, like, an endless loop. Like, you know, everything takes place at the same time. Well, if you're interested in thoughts, that sort of stuff, uh, have you looked up, which I know we can't really discuss much tonight, but look up the empirical truth uh, in Origins. The empirical? That does talk. I actually just, empir- uh, is that the one, um, I just unlocked that yesterday. Is that the one beneath the Sphinx? There's like this um, huge first civilization temple, but I still need like some ancient artifacts to unlock the message. I think it's the final one of those like first civilization temples, ancient messages I, recorded. Yeah, I, I would advise listening to them all because they do talk about how yeah. Desmond's pro- actions yeah. in number three wasn't supposed to happen. It's, yeah, uh, it's probably the one beneath the Sphinx, then, like this huge temple. It probably is the, that one. <laughs> well, I think we may have deviated off the topic slightly. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to uh, go into the game and find some of those like golden pieces that you need to unlock the messages. Sounds interesting. Um, so, it is, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know if um, I, we have anything more to um, to talk about. I think we've covered everything. Cool. So these are our, as I would say, these are our thoughts. And all, as always, please send me on our Discord or through email or through Twitter, your favorite DLCs yourself, because you may have liked something we didn't, or you may have have more thoughts on the stuff we've talked about. Uh, please check the description for links to Gustav's um, podcast, The Memory Corridor. Yeah, I post, really good I post show those on, uh, in collaboration with um, um, an Assassin's Creed fan page called The Ones Who Came Before. Um, so yeah, you can go to uh, that channel to check those out if you want to. Um, there's also links in a previous episode where you can find the ones who came before Twitter where I worked with Cole on an episode. So you know about them guys. I never stopped talking about them. <laughs> so this is all we have time for tonight. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Yeah, absolutely.